0: You are, listening. you are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing Ninety Seven podcast.
1: For the most part, uh, it's 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 a combination of those three. However, lately, um, on my own, because I have my own pond with with trout in it too.
0: What? Hold on. Let's back this up. You have your own pond.
1: When I tell you that I am obsessed with this stuff, I actually I have a half acre pond that I raise <sighs> trout in.
0: You are killing me, man. That's my my dream. Yeah. So what do you got? I there? go to
1: great lengths to make sure that my my trout are happy, fat, and healthy, and and that they love dry flies.
0: Do you feel guilty catching them? A little bit.
1: Um, maybe after the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> how, how, what I'm do you got in there? Very conscious about weather, about my weather, about um, the water temperature, about all these. You know, like I, they, they inevitably are with the goal and intention of harvest, but uh, to harvest them. But I don't. I don't harvest them unless somebody else... Like, I have friends who, who will eat fish, well, my fish, and, and I can offer them the... This is my way to get them hooked on fly fishing, essentially. So, like, That's my cool. pond is, is barbless fly only. <laughs> really. So, I yes. Like I like go. And, and I make that rule up. So, so basically, like, if anybody wants a, to bring a fat trout home to eat, um, they can come, and I teach them some basics, and then that kind of gets, it's an incentivizing thing to get them to try to go out with me.
2: Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires, bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate.
0: Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine. The convenience of having flies delivered right to your door. Some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. TheFlyCrate.com.
2: Here's your host, Mark Hopley
0: support for the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Listeners to the podcast get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FF97Podcast. That's FF97Podcast is the code at Manscaped.com. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us today. And we're going to head out to Asheville, New York. We've got Colton Orbaker on the line from Twig and Timber Outdoors. He is a guide, teacher, media creator, avid tire, and he posts a lot on Instagram, all the socials. You got to check it out. Colton, thanks for coming on the podcast, man
1: absolutely you're the man and i just appreciate always getting a chance to talk to you
0: well we got so much we can talk about because i always enjoy chatting with you because uh i know how passionate you are i know how much time you spend out there on the h2o um let's let's talk about you know how did you get into this thing we call fly fishing like where did your journey start in this
1: so, so fly fishing in general is kind of like a, it's a pretty broad one but for me it's it uh my, my grandfather, uh, grew up in the Catskills a little bit and, or close by. And so, um, he always had cane rods and stuff around. So, um, he, he pretty much got my feet wet. Um, in fact, that was the first rod I ever had was from him. And, and, um, it was nice. It was a, it's a salmon rod and, uh, almost a nine foot cane salmon rod, um, that I learned to cast on. And I think that's kind of where my affinity came for, or came from for, uh, uh, dry fly fishing but at the same time um i'm constantly trying to push everything i do whether it's on the bench whether it's film whether it's whatever um in the classroom and so that's where my development into different nymphing styles techniques and also educating on the water and educating online kind of came from and so always trying to push the boundary and and mm. that's the one fun thing about fly fishing for me is kind of like you know i've always hunted and fished the majority of my life and so um fly fishing is one of those things where it's kind of like the i call it the archery of the of the fishing world where sure i could go out with a spin rod and i could throw worms or i could throw power bait or i could do this that or the other but it's kind of like the that intimate connection you can get with fish it's the intimate connection you can get with water that's a little different mm. and uh and, and and always making something a little more challenging on yourself like you know i could go and nymph a certain way but what if I could catch the fish doing it this way? Right. Or what if I approached the run this way? Or what if I got chest deep in the water and tried to cast a, um, a you know a, a size 10 stimmy instead of doing what I've always done, you know every every run every time? So that's that's what kind of draws me is constantly getting better and constantly innovating to myself.
0: I like that analogy with archery because I've, I've actually, it'd be interesting to kind of do a, a crossover, like, okay, how many people that fly fish are actually in <clears throat> archery or bow hunting? I suspect there's quite a, quite a few actually. What do you think?
1: I I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, I think if, if you're into the outdoors in general, you typically get good crossover. But f- what I see with clients is that most of them, especially, I love taking first timers because typically you see a different perspective. And it's fun also landing first fish and stuff from everybody. Um, But typically there's good crossover. But I do notice that if you like to push yourself, that's where you see people uh, taking risks, doing things like skiing, snowboarding on different types of peaks out in the east here um, or or out west, way out west. Um, I think it's just that it's like an adrenaline rush, but a safe one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also that there's, there's some people, especially now it's a niche thing, but, um, getting into fly fishing because of its, uh, close relationship with like all things popper or all things, uh, old school, vintage, retro, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, you see guys wanting to wear five panel hats again and, and wear, and carrying tin cups with them and, and wanting to, uh, camp, uh, and, and eat stream side. Whereas for a little while, it was always about pushing new tech. Now it's about reconnecting to what made fly fishing cool hmm. in a vintage era, yeah, that's, yeah, especially with new guys that come in.
0: That's well put. So let's talk about who your influences were. So as you started this obsession with fly fishing, if you had to look back on your journey, Colton, who, who would you cite as, um, you know, hey, I learned a lot from this person or, um, you know, who, who kind of mentored you along the way?
1: Quite honestly, I, I, I'm pretty. I mean, there there weren't many people locally. There are a couple of really good local uh, guys that that have been around the block, you know. But frankly, it's I'm pretty much self-taught for the most part, with the exception of the, in the early stages. Um, my my grandfather early on, but then after I kind of just, I wasn't able to go out with him anymore. It was kind of like um. I pretty much did online research. I watched the, the craft done uh, in video. Um, this was before YouTube and everything. I kind of sought out different uh, shows and things. Uh, I got to give props to, you know, the the new Fly Fisher back in, before it was as influential. Tom Rosenbauer's podcasts back in the day, um, mostly self-taught. And uh, that's where I think this blending of, of techniques and forms comes from for me is um, – but I also implore anybody to do that. Like you know, frankly, anybody who wants to, to like read good books, like Devin Olson's book on nymphing, or or um, you know, uh, Daniel's book on nymphing, or uh, watching good content online, or or basically do your own research. But at the same time, like your water systems are different than those that are in those, you know, on TV or what. Like especially for me, like none of those streams that were near me resemble anything you see on TV. Even some <laughs> of those other great streams and like el you know some of the stuff in Labrador or out west in Montana right like Bozeman looks nothing like like near me so I kind of had to improvise and figure out what the core essential stuff was that was important in those techniques and how that can be implemented in a in a specific context for me and and I think you know that's People ask all the time. Whenever they come, they're like, "Well, I watched this, this, and this, and why why don't you do it this way?" And I say, "I, I tried it that way, mm-hmm. but our 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 shelves are different, our gravel's different, our uh, stream width is different, our overhanging limbs are different. Yeah. Uh, you know, our water flow is different, our stains different. There's all these different things that are slightly different anywhere you go. So that it's kind of hard. That's why I suggest anytime you go anywhere is to 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 find a local guide. Um, who knows what they're doing, um, truly knows what they're doing, and doesn't just go through the motions. But I mean, like, what about you? Like, I mean, you probably have early influences getting into this, and and what I, everybody wants to talk about a family member, but some of us didn't have those. Like, was it yours a family member or was yours? Uh... Uh,
0: no, my family, honestly, my family didn't even fish. Um, but fortunately, my dad got um, a good friend of his. My dad was a teacher, and, and, and the principal at his school at the time was totally into. Uh, you know, fishing and and hunting and camping. And and so I got out with him a few times and that kind of ignited the passion. But, you know, it's for me, it's I'm more still water centric, as you probably know. So it's it's the guys like Brian Chan and and Phil Rowley. And, um, you know, some 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 guys um, back in the day from my younger days in the fly fishing club locally, just like, um, you know, uh, Harry Shaw, a few guys in uh, Tom Delameter, a few guys in that club that kind of, you know, when you're, you're young and, and, and you see, you see these guys and gals throwing, throwing flies. They've been doing it for years. It's like, they don't even have to think about it. And, and I wanted to be that, that, you know, where it's like, it's just kind of intuitive, but there's so much to know, so much to learn, but I, yeah, I kind of like the way you turned that on me. Cause I had to think about that. But, well,
1: no, I mean, I, I really like anytime I come on, it's like, I want, I want to have a be a conversation. Like I, 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 as much as I like talking about myself, trust me. Um, it's, it's more fun to talk with somebody, you know, like, and that's kind of like, I, I find you fascinating. I find what you do fascinating. And, and, um, I think that the the listeners would like to hear a little bit about you too.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, uh, well, why don't, why don't we get to know you a little bit off the water? So, um, I always kind of like to go down these little rabbit holes. Um, let's talk tunes when you're driving to your favorite spot, what's playing in the stereo.
1: Huh. Um well, I'm probably the oddball out from from most of the people who are outdoors enthusiasts. I love all things super heavy. So like I listen to like metalcore and like some of these other subgenres like like deathcore. Basically it's super heavy metal, lots of um uh screaming. Um <laughs> less than clean vocals i and 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 i think that's a stark contrast to when you're actually on the water like Mm -hmm. i listen to a lot of the stuff because i I like the technicality of it again i play guitar and so for me it's like anything i do i'm always trying to up the ante and so i I get founded a a love for this type of music because of how technically challenging Mm -hmm. the guitar work is oh and how and so like you know you everyone always you you start off just like i started off with with um you know certain types of tight line nymphing getting them into very specific competition style your own nymphing or you know dry drop or just going straight dry it's like you start off I started off listening to like some punk and then it got a little heavier and heavier and and there's so many different misconceptions when it comes to the music I listen to um, it's not it's not negative stuff it's all super positive stuff it's just yeah. it sounds it, the sound is what people typically don't associate with peace on the water, but I, I think it's that stark contrast.
0: Well, I, I think I, it's I, the stark
1: contrast, I, you know? It's I, like I'm, I'm always thinking about about the technical side of things, and so yeah. um, it's no different than the water, I guess.
0: I get, I get that a lot. Like, I talk to a lot of fly fishers that are into Pantera, that are into Metallica, but they're also oh, listening to Johnny Cash, you know?
1: Yeah, see, a lot of the Pantera is actually a very, very soft compared to what I'm, what I'm talking about. I'll have to shoot you over. So it's kind of
0: like, um, <laughs> like, yeah, like that,
1: like, yeah, like, like drop B tuning and like, like, there's no need for a bass guitar anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Blast beats. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, but what about you? Are you,
2: are you a traditionalist? Uh, you know. Of music?
1: Wait.
0: No, I, I'm all over the map, man. I, I grew up on, on metal, um, but it yeah. was, it was original you know it was Metallica when they first started yeah. it was Megadeth it was it was like a lot of hair bands in the 80s you know dark. Yeah, what, what we
1: yeah. Could classify as heavy metal, you know, technically, but well, technically and not that's, the heaviest.
0: No, exactly. I was more into the hair bands, just being perfectly honest growing up cuz that was kind of my era. Um I hated pop music. I just I just always did. I liked I, I, you got I a this, Devo guy, huh? no no i like i like stuff that's kind of mine you know what i mean i like I, I never liked the bands that were like oh yeah this this sold a billion copies and everyone's listening to it i always like to like these bands like i do with my fly fishing when they're these brands that are first coming out and you can get on board you can talk to them you can go see them in a small venue um for me there's 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 value in seeing um you know a 200 a person show in a small small theater versus cena you know and i love those big arena shows don't get me wrong but you never really feel intimate with it if that makes sense well,
1: yeah no 100 percent. it's kind of like you, you, it's exactly like you want to be able to say like Psh, i knew them before they were cool
0: yeah that's you're,
1: you're that's, that guy they're that guy
0: that's, that's probably a good analogy because as soon as they got big i like
1: pits than i can I, i've been in more more mosh pits that i can count and it's so cool to be able to say like wow they're yeah. chart topping now you know
0: yeah yeah for sure that's cool. I, I I love talking music. Um, I can do it all day. But do you play an instrument? I play guitar. I I um not overly good at it. I mean, I can't even read music. I, I'm not all, either.
1: I, I do my best.
0: I do tab. It's all about the tab. But um yeah yeah, it was all for me. It was all about the you know the Bon Jovi and the well again Tesla you you make the music yours.
1: You know, like yeah. people want to say poo poo all over tab, like reading tabs, but it's like. Well, you're still playing the music you like to do it. So, yeah. so why does anybody have the the pull over you, right?
0: Yeah, no. For me, it's uh, it's uh, I like doing it in the winter, so I can't go fly fishing. I can't go fly right. time. I'll just sit down and go. Hmm, what song do I want to learn? I'll Google it. That tab comes up. You sit there and you try and figure it out. My problem is Colton is I don't remember. Like I have all these songs that I've learned over the years, <laughs> and I don't remember them. So I have to kind of relearn it. Like, um, you sound
1: was... like me. Like you, you are exactly like me in most in most ways. It's like I'll learn a riff, and then I'll go into the next section of a song, and I've I've forgotten the riff.
0: I was trying to learn <laughs> uh, Tracy Chapman's "Fast Car." That is not as oh, easy, yeah. and it's not a hard song. But it's like some of these songs are a, more technical than you might think. You know what I mean? Or ex- I was always led by the guitar player. So I'd be like, okay, I like George Lynch from and I'm going to listen to all his stuff. I like Alex Van Halen. I'm going, to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure that out. And for me, I was driven more by that. So when I listen to music, I listen for the guitar. So that's what kills me with a lot of new stuff. There's no guitar. I'm like, uh, I get the beat got I, get, there, I, get, but I, I some want some good news to, for you. I want some a lot distortion. The,
1: yeah, there you go. Well, good news is that a lot of the new... So like um, the the most recent pop chart was an entirely a uh, punk pop uh, pop punk album by a, a rapper, but no joke. It was entirely real drums and real guitar driven. I love it. Um,
0: it's got to come yep, and back. Travis
1: Barker, Travis Barker from, uh, uh blink One Eighty Two, was played the entire album.
0: Yeah. Cool. That's, and that, that to me is the single thing that's coming missing. back, baby. It's coming back. I hope, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. All right, man, let's, um, let's leave the amplifiers on the side of the stream for a second what let's talk patterns so if you are um hitting your favorite small stream in the Asheville New York area wherever you happen to be what's a go-to fly pattern you kind of go to more often than not
1: um well that's that's um that's technique specific for me so like if Mm -hmm. I'm if I were to go so like okay so I, I fished two days ago and it was a beautiful morning um and in a matter of two hours, I had landed fifteen fish. It was great. Um, the for that stream specifically, I ended up just doing a bead-headed uh, guides uh, choice hair's ear, and then with a tag on that to basically just a a beaded hair's ear um, gold uh, not gold rip sorry it was a uh, what was it it was a um, spinner. <laughs> a ribbon, rib. Sorry. So, like, I use, I use when I tie uh, some hairs, I'll just use like a little bit of ribbon, yeah. um, uh, right. and uh, or some foil, and so um, and they caught equally. But then I switched out the the ladder pattern with a really big um, stone, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it, like a bomber stone. It's basically like it has three uh, three beads on it, essentially, and some some non lead wrap on it. Uh, for the deeper sections and I nymphed the entire stream, but if I had to throw it dry, um, it's really hard to beat a very small stimulator or like a big elk hair. Um, mm. I also like to throw some CDC, uh, here and there on the PA streams when I'm down there. But for the most part, uh, it's, it's, it's a combination of those three. However, lately, um, on my own, cause I have my own pond with, with trout in it too. Um,
0: what? Hold hold hold, hold, healed... hold 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 on. Let's back this up. You have your own pond?
1: When I tell you that I'm obsessed with this stuff, I actually I have a half acre pond that I raise <sighs> trout in.
0: You're killing me, man. That's my my dream. Yeah. So what do you got I in go there? to
1: great lengths to make sure that my my trout are happy, fat and healthy and and that they love dry flies.
0: Do you feel guilty catching them? A little bit.
1: Um Maybe after the fourth or fifth time. I'm very conscious about weather, about my weather, about um, the water temperature, about all these, you know, like I, they, they inevitably are with the goal and intention of harvest, but uh, to harvest them. But I don't, I don't harvest them unless somebody else, like I have friends who, who will eat fish, well, my fish, and, and I can offer them the, the this is my way to get them hooked on fly fishing essentially. So like my pond is, is barbless fly only. (laughs) Really? So yes. And and I make that rule up. So, so basically like if anybody wants to bring a fat trout home to eat, um, they can come and I teach them some basics and then that kind of gets, it's an incentivizing thing to get them to try to go out with me.
0: Hmm. So, are these rainbow trout? What kind of trout you got in there? Yeah, mostly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I the um, in the summer it's it's tough. Some of the some of the days get so super hot, and rainbow are kind of on that threshold oh, where yeah. I, I they're the only ones I can really. I haven't tried tried browns yet. I haven't tried browns yet, but um, there's no way brookies would would survive.
0: Hmm. So what do you what do you feed them? Pellets.
1: Well, actually, I don't have to. Okay. Um, I have nasty hatches. I have nasty. Um, uh, like sulfur hatches on my pond. Really, and there are um, like I have tons of of uh, tadpoles. Yeah, that I uh, that they crush. Um, really, and so, so that's something I yeah. always
0: wondered. Like, do do trout eat tadpoles in still water? Because I I've been told they don't, but I obviously they do.
1: Well, let's just say that when I ha- when I say I, the there are no predators in my in my pond, so I have probably I don't know two dozen big bullfrogs. Um, right, right. And so I have hundreds of thousands, maybe tadpoles. Like there are times where I'm, I walk around along the banks of my, and, and they are just, it, it's a black mass. Hmm. And by the end, I know that the, the, um, attrition rate is bad, but by the end of the season, I don't see them anymore and I don't have thousands of frogs. So they yeah. go somewhere. So, but um, did you... I do I do occasionally on the colder days do toss in a pellet, but I try not to make them pellet fish.
0: Yeah. Do you um? Did, okay, so when you when you set out to do this, did you dig this pond? Did you was this pond already no. existing?
1: It's already so. Good. This was so. I moved into, the, into my home. Um, uh, this is I'm in the third year now here, and um, so originally had lots of perch, um, but I fished it all out. Yeah. uh and Great i replaced call. them with with rainbows and um i try and add a couple big ones a year uh it is it is not um like they won't reproduce or anything in, in the pond I, I do however in the next i don't know 15 20 years want to put a, a small stream
0: nice.
1: flowing t- cuz it's at the bottom of the hill i can incorporate it with a few pumps but dreams right um, i
0: i love i mean you know what You are living my dream out there. So you got the amplifiers going, you got the, you got your own backyard pond. I don't think I'd ever leave home.
1: It's funny this year. So last year I probably fished, um, equally the same number of days, but I was probably out of the house at a different stream. I don't know. Uh, 40% more. I, there were afternoons where I totally would have normally gone to a stream locally and fished, but I stayed home and, and tossed around. Uh, I tied these extended body um, like brown mayfly patterns that kind of uh, that I use. Um, What's it called? Teddy bear stuffing for the wing. And they float forever. So it's a foam body, extended body fly right. on, a, on a, with a. Um, teddy bear, like stuffing as the, like the wing, like I said, and I could toss that around f- from 6 PM to 9 PM and yeah. then land a few fish, toss them back. Um, and I haven't caught no joke. I even caught cause I have a couple of, uh, triploid Asian carp in my, in my pond for like keep taking care of the the vegetation and stuff. I catch a few of the, I, well, I have two of them. I caught a, one or two of them a couple times this season, um, on, on the top.
0: I, that's amazing. Cause I, I try to fly fish for carp and it's it's not easy. It's not an easy game, but if, if you're there all the time, I, I've never seen a carp take a dry. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. I, it's, I, th- and I'm surprised because I, but, and, I, and it's funny cause they're cool cause when they hunt, um, if, if they're, if they know something's up on, on the surface, you'll see them coming from like 15 feet away. It's like watching a waking giant there. They, you'll see this big V coming And you can, you can almost sight fish them like, like, uh, like bonefish.
0: So did you buy this house simply because it had a pond?
1: (laughs) Ah, Um, I bought this house for many reasons. Um, a multitude of reasons, one of which may have been that I have a pond. Um, (laughs) I have, I have lots of property. I I live close to loads of streams. I live close to work. Um, I live in a good school district for my kids. Um, and so there are there are many reasons, but I knew that this was the life I wanted to give my kids, and so right. it just uh, like I have de- I have a dozen deer, two dozen turkeys, bald eagles, all these different cool things outside my window every day.
0: Hmm. I'm surprised so, the eagles don't pinch any fish or ospreys or.
1: Well, when you're standing down, like you know, I'm a teacher. When, when I'm down by my pond, almost every day. Yeah. Um, you know. I, right. I love well, I love seeing the eagles but they don't come down very often
0: yeah, well it's probably not big enough the way they fish and
1: I what... live also near a thirteen and a half thousand acre lake too
0: okay gotcha gotcha so' I'm,
1: I'm about I'm about half a mile from that too
0: you got ducks that hang out at your place
1: wood ducks mallards um Muskrats? Eel. not yet beavers not yet herons uh, I had one, but he's not coming back.
0: Yeah, yeah. That they cleaned me out. I had, I had koi ponds, and I, I, I had to re restock my koi pond probably four times. It was getting very expensive. Koi are not ex, koi are
1: not cheap. No.
0: So you know what I did? I got a greenhouse, right? So I, I go, okay. Well, those those guys can't get in my greenhouse, and so I, I dug it down about five feet. So basically, they're they're insulated in the winter, so they can keep growing and then the predators can't get them like raccoons, uh, herons, what, whatever. So, um, they're pretty easy target being like about two and a half, three pounds right now and bright orange. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Doesn't take, doesn't take much to see those from high up either.
0: No, no. So where's your favorite place to talk fly fishing is, is there, um, like a fly shop in and around near Asheville, is there a coffee shop? Is there a brew pub, or is it just your back forty? Like, where do you get your fix on fly fishing when you're not in your waders?
1: I've had to create that community, frankly. Um, I uh, through so through clients, through uh, social media, I've had to go and reach out and create a community uh, locally. But there's no there's no brick and mortar uh, around me. Um, I probably have more flies sitting in front of me at my at my desk than there are in this county in general mm. um you know i am sitting here staring at a couple hundred and i bet you that's more than i could find in any of the local shops
0: you ever think of cause there aren't a, no fly shop, you, you ever think it's starting a brick and mortar store
1: i don't know I, it's it's you know there there are a couple places like our our fly shops are kind of like um the walmart around here like our Walmarts carry fly fishing goods.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, and I, I, know I've heard not, not all of them do, but like you can go and find flies and you can fl- find like, cause a lot of the fishing around here, uh, focuses primarily on like the fall runs for like steelhead Browns and salmon. Sure. And so the, the, the big box stores offer a limited variety for that. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, as if maybe I've, I've, my wife and I have toyed about it. talked about uh, toying around the idea of doing it in, as a retirement, but you know I'm 35 years away from retirement at this rate. <laughs> so I'll work until I'm 80 before I end up being able to do. But I have other ventures that I'm actually looking forward to doing in the in the industry without giving away spoilers mm-hmm. um, through retirement as well. Yeah. More so than than a brick and mortar uh, yeah. fly shop.
0: Fair enough. You you strike me as somebody that's always got something going on uh always a plan
1: i'd rather have my hand in many pots my friend
0: yeah um what about
1: you i mean other than the podcast are you looking for the podcast just to kind of cultivate in something new for you or, or, uh, or to no it out? Like, I'm, I mean... real,
0: I'm not looking all i'm looking to do is talk to passionate people about fly fishing this is my little outlet it's like i don't care if i make any money at it i'm gonna do it regardless and if it happens to make money great um, you know, we got Nate and the guys at the fly crate would sponsor us, which I'm, I'm stoked about. And we're looking at, uh, Good dudes. Some, some other things. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome guys. But, um, that's not my motivator at all. I would just uh, prefer to get on the, get on the phone and talk and talk fishing. Cause, um, you know, you talk about building that community. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. I guess yeah, from a selfish point of view, I just get to talk it. So, um, yeah. And, and for me, I don't see any downside you- in that.
1: Do you have any places around you that you can go and in, in, you know?
0: I, I do. We have we have a um a real great shop, fifty minutes up the street uh, in Kelowna called um, Trout Waters, and it's uh, it's great. Honestly, where I'm at, there isn't a fly shop. There's a hunting there's a hunting shop that happens to sell flies, but um, there's not a you know a fly shop anymore. Which is funny because growing up, like I that's what I worked in. I worked in the fly shop in in the town that I live in which is, you know, not a big town, like 40,000 people, but it doesn't support a fly shop anymore. And that's kind of the norm that I talk to uh, and people across, you know, the States and Canada. It's like there's, there's the nearest fly shops an hour, two hours away because everything's online and I get it. It's a changing retail environment, but I still think it's nice to go in and, and, and put your hands on a fly rod rather than you know, look at online and you get to actually touch it, feel it and, and talk to people in the shop. I think there's a lot of value in that myself.
1: I mean, I, I take that back. There is one fly shop now that, now that we've, we're sitting here talking about it, I, I was trying to rack my brain. It's about 45 to 50 minutes away. Um, and, uh, it's, it's in a small, smaller town that even I live, live in, but it's centrally located and it's pretty close to Buffalo, like about half an hour from Buffalo, mm-hmm. New York. And, um, they're they're really cool dudes in there, but that it's not just a fly shop. It's a fly shop slash ski shop slash right. uh, really good coffee. Right. Uh, they, they have really good beer, um, and so like it's it's you know you kind of do your thing, but, but they are primarily a fly shop slash guiding outpost. And um and uh, gotcha. actually I'm gonna connect you with I'm gonna connect you with those guys. They're they're uh, there's there's a really good uh, outfitter out of there that I think they'd love to come on and talk to you a little bit about their water too, if that's cool.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. There's a um. You know, full disclosure, there's a lot of places in small towns where I'm at that, like you said, it's a, it's a hardware store. They've got lumber and they've got, they happen to have, you know, a few fly rods in the back and a few, um, you know, some, some tippet material and, and, but it's not a, you know, a fly shop's a little different. But when you go back a few years, you think about it, that was the way it was. You know, you go in a hardware store and they had a little bit of everything. They might've had yeah. some outdoor camping gear. I a general
1: store. Yeah.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. So, but, so are, are you a sports guy? So uh, you just talked about, are you a Buffalo Bills fan? Are you a Jets fan? Are you a Giants fan? (laughs) Are you a Knicks fan? Who who do you pull for in the world of sports?
1: So I don't really watch too many sports. Well, take it back. I don't watch too many American sports. I, uh, I, I grew up, uh, loving soccer. Um, and so I watch a lot of European soccer (laughs) Yeah. um Who's if you? if i if i watch sports I'm, I'm actually not on the like we don't have cable um i watch all the major like uh tournaments but frankly i i it, i don't uh and i watch quite a, i follow some of the some of the major leagues like yeah. la liga and stuff like that and, and the epl but i don't really watch but if i had to say i do like i do like hockey and i am a Sabres fan okay. so um which was was not a very good fun thing to do this year or to <laughs> be this year.
0: Uh, you guys will be just fine. who Who's your uh, who's your go to in soccer? Like, what's the team you root for?
1: Uh so Real Madrid is my is my thing. The team I like to watch the most. I, I like to watch Man U, uh, despite mm-hmm. their rise and falls. Um, but um, I like to. I, I'm a guy who, just like in most things, like I don't really. F- so like I like players more than i like teams
0: right you know yeah
1: so like uh like i am a fan of like iker casillas who was at real and he went to a different teams so i still like to watch those guys play but if i had to pick a team those are the teams
0: have you seen ted lasso
1: have i seen him sorry you
0: don't even know what i'm talking about do you do you have apple tv i do not Okay man. Wait, is
1: that, the, is that a movie with um <laughs> J-
0: Yes. You, yeah, if you like soccer, it. you got to check it out. It is uh it's really lighthearted, but it's hilarious. It's um basically he's a college football coach um, that goes over to the UK to um, coach a soccer team which he knows nothing about. And okay. uh, it's funny. It's funny and it's it's super light, but it's uh it's good team building kind of stuff. I, I, I really enjoy it. I think they're in their second season, and my wife and I are pretty hooked on it. But it's uh, okay. I'll have to, it's, I'll you'll love it. You'll love it. it it's, uh, I'm trying to. So basically, the premise is, is that there's this um, divorced couple uh, with a lot of money that own this uh, first division club in England and they're going through a divorce and she gets she gets the team in the settlement and she just wants to basically sink the team so she hires she yep. hires a football coach <laughs> and uh it's just love it. it's pretty cool i think you'd like it
1: <laughs> it sounds like it's like bad news bears meets like an adult crowd yeah it's sport. uh
0: yeah but it i just yeah anyway it's uh i just found a lot of with with all the covid stuff you know we've been we've been my wife and i have been watching more tv and you kind of get into these series and i just feel like i've been running through these series we found this one last year and i'm just like wow this is it's kind of refreshing it's a little light and airy which I kind of needed
1: yeah i can't watch anything serious right now
0: no me neither
1: even you know though even before before even 2019 i've always been a, a light-hearted show guy i just my life is so stressful and everything you do why Tack on more stress and yeah. or more like even like my wife loves horror movies. Yeah, like, my
0: kids too, and I'm just like I don't want to be freaked out. I just want to relax. I,
1: I, well, and they, they want to watch like you know, or sorry, she wants to watch the ones that are like real life potential scenarios. And I'm just like, no, just put put yeah. like uh, Halloween on. I like watching you know Michael Myers, like the everybody you know <laughs> just as much as the next guy. That one I can get behind. Zombies, I like that kind of stuff, you know. But. Um, but not like home invasion stuff. Like, what are you doing? I know you're going to fall asleep 10 minutes from now on the couch and I have to sit here by myself. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So (laughs) if you had to look back, (laughs) you're killing me. If you had to look back on your, your kind of your fly fishing journey so far, um, what's the single biggest lesson? What's the takeaway? Like, why do you do this? What's the driving force? What does it bring to your world?
1: Um, I think Anybody who gets into fly fishing has to realize that what you see is not always, you know, on online or whatever is not always the reality of things. So, you know, people people you follow to learn will always post best case scenario stuff, right? Um, and so even myself, I try and be honest with the good, bad and the ugly and even though I am I feel very competent and confident in everything I do on the stream, it doesn't mean that I'm, there aren't going to be skunk days. Like, for example, um, I think it's good to be humbled. Uh, I went down south uh, on an annual family vacation, um, and I brought an 8 weight rod with me just to fish the surf. I don't really know the surf that well, and I ended up catching one small very unique cool fish but like it's not you know what they won't don't tell you is, start fishing as is a, is a game of numbers right same thing if you are fishing a stream near you um, realize that it's gonna be diff it's gonna be more challenging than you initially expect but it doesn't mean that it's less valuable it, it, if if you're in it to catch more fish yes I, I catch just as many fish as the next guy but I'm not in it to do that. You get caught up trying to think, like, I want to catch fish. I want to catch fish. Enjoy the process. It's like we were talking about if it's the archery of the, of the fishing world, you're not going to be able to harvest animals as frequently, potentially, as somebody with a, a rifle.
0: Right.
1: I think it's, it's good to be humbled. I wish I, if I were to look back and tell myself, you know, as a, as a young angler, it's good to be humbled, it's good to not take this so seriously. I take everything I do with it with a, that I'm obsessed with very seriously. And I think if I were just to go back and enjoy the process instead of trying to constantly get better, it's like that to it. It's like a double edged sword. Like I was telling you, I'm always trying to push myself. Well, to a certain degree, there's a there's a limiting return on that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have to enjoy it, but not take yourself so seriously and, and, and do it for the right reasons. You just talked about wanting to get on and talk to people and, and and enjoy the process of talking and, and, and learning. And that's, that's what I wish, but I feel like that's most young people, especially young guys, (laughs) truthfully is, is they constantly want to get into something and get better at it and get proficient at it and then be able to do it really well. And I, you know, it's time on the water spent is what gets you there. Yeah. Um, you can, you can, like me, I obsess about – I read all the literature. I, I've written books. I, I have great connections, and, and, I, and I constantly probe to some really great minds. And all of that is just as valuable, if not as valuable – sorry. It, it's it's just as valuable, but l- probably less valuable, rather, than getting my feet wet. Even though I fished 200-plus days a year, if I fished 300 days a year, hypothetically, it would be more valuable. I just –
0: How much of, of, of this, this fly fishing passion is like, you never know it all. And so I think you strike me at, you know, you're an educator by, by trade, by day job as a teacher and also you're guiding. So it tells me you like teaching people. You kind of like figuring things out. How much of you being drawn to this pastime has to do with, you never know it all and you're never going to stop learning. And guess what? Um, I think most people that are, are like that are attracted to things like fly fishing.
1: You know, t- full transparency, I, I I love that aspect, but the prime, but primarily, whenever I'm guiding, it's I don't get that too often because typically, what happens is is you get anybody who's just starting up to intermediate. We'll we'll get a guided trip around here. Very seldomly do we see high, like a high degree of advanced anglers wanting to get. Stream knowledge, Um, and even then, you know, whenever they come on, when they say they're an advanced angler, you can kind of vibe and with them and fight figure out that they're maybe they're they're a little fuller of themselves than they think. Uh, um, (laughs) I like. Like I I hate to say it that way, but but, um, and so I, this sounds terrible. This sounds like I'm 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 the biggest condescending jerk, but it's not. I don't learn the art of fly fishing too often from when i'm guiding clients however i'm constantly learning new ways to approach communicating what to do how to do things and finding ways that, like like i said before uh i like when i see people developing their own skill sets i i i kind of l- i prefer when i'm guiding to have the, them find this aha moment. And then typically after they've, they figured the drift out. I mean, I guide them. I, I prep them. I talk it through, but I kind of ask them how they're, what they're feeling, ask them what it feels like, what they think should be done differently. And then there it is. The aha moment, the next drift they're hooked in, you know? Yeah. And then it's this process of teaching them handling a fish and fighting fish and, and, but that's what I'm constantly finding is, is new techniques and new methods on teaching people how to become addicted themselves. Because it's one thing to be like, you know, it's like fitness. Like if someone's constantly telling you what to do and how to do it, you're not going to stick to it. But if you find through the process of, of getting stronger, to you know, getting fitter or whatever you're doing, if you find through doing things yourself um, ways to to enjoy the process and it's coming to you through your own means and the way you do it, that's a longer reaching effect. I think than if you were to just be told what to do, follow this program, eat these foods, you know?
0: How much passion enjoyment do you get out of, um, taking clients out? Like I always think, you know, you're talking to an amateur fly fisher here. So, I mean, I've, done it my whole life but i'm no guide i i can put people on to fish if i had to but you know with somebody that does it you know professionally what do you what's the i'm trying to figure out how i'm trying to verbalize this but the when i look at a guide you have to adapt to the person that's either in the boat with you that's on the stream with you on waiting the same waters like and you're you're talking to so many different people from all walks of life And I get the feeling you kind of get a lot of enjoyment out of the newbie crowd that are, you know, the first time they get into that fish. But what's it like having to kind of switch gears and go, okay, this person knows what they're doing, so maybe this is more about the getting into fish, or this person doesn't know what they're doing. Maybe I need to show them how to to catch fish.
1: Does that make sense? It is 100% reading people (laughs) and probably far much less likely that you're going to need to see. I think here's the, here's the thing when it comes to that, the reason I like the newbie crowd is because their expectations are different. They are, they, 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 they already go into the process willing and wanting to learn. And there's very little breaking through into the, the, well, this is what I want you to do. And this is why it's rather they are juiced and jazzed to want to do this. I have had clients that have come in with probably intermediate to low advanced skill sets like they could cast. they could read water, they kind of knew where fish should be. But with those clients, what I really like is I, I offer them the opportunity to practice different techniques. Um, so it's not just them throwing an indicator and dragging a an nymph across the you know the bottom or dry dropper. Um, and so I can introduce I have, I have a plethora of gear. And so like, I, you know, I have specific gear for specific techniques. Uh, you know, if they, if they wanted to get better at, at, um, streamer line management, if they wanted to get better at, uh, like European specific style nymphing or French nymphing with unique leaders or whatever, um, I offer that to them. And if they say no to that still, cause again, that almost brings them to a newbie level of a, in a certain way. Right. Um, but if they say no to that and they just want to go out for fish, uh, there are two routes I go. Either I kind of explain to them that, um, uh, other, you know, I can take them into unique and challenging waters, uh, or waters we can hike into because I, I am very fortunate to have very pretty water by me. Um, that's always something I want to try and always introduce a new thing to them, right? Because that's that's the fun part is, is experiencing something new. If it's not new in their technique or new in their fishing, mm. it might be a new place, new water, new substrate, different, uh, like I said, techniques. I think only once have I ever encountered a, a trip where I've kind of come to a, 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 I've had a loss of words in that we were finding fish and catching fish, but I just didn't, I wasn't getting a, a reaction. I wasn't getting like this excitement out of these folks. And I just, that comes down to, you can't always please everybody. You know, they were very happy with the trip. They, they, they tipped well also, but it just, I, the, the vibe I was getting was that I basically was just there retying rigs and Hmm. And selecting flies based on, on uh, the hatches and things. And um, what do you think? It that doesn't make a fun day.
0: Like what do you? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, on again, that. I
1: just think it's. I just think it's probably different people depend have different levels of social interaction and social competency. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you that I teach middle school all the way through through seniors, and um, the level of social competency in the way that kids interact with people doesn't just stop at high school you you know people in your regular life um that when you're in a room they're just different or awkward than the way you uh, compared to the way you interact different people have different communicative styles and sometimes you just don't interact well with people i have people in my family that i just oh this conversation is dead and it's yeah. been five seconds right yeah. Yeah. um I always try and keep things very light. We joke around a lot, um, do you know very what, encouraging. Do you know what
0: makes me laugh? But you, I will tell you, and this is the second time you and I have talked, and I've talked to a lot of people. You're the best listener that I've ever interviewed, and I, I can tell that. And we've never met in person, but was that a car? What was that it just went by? Something went by there. Was that the furnace? I don't know. Um, I think it's the furnace. You, you really listen to the question and, and not that other people don't that I've had on, but I can tell that you there's space there. And sometimes I find when you're having a conversation with somebody, if there's too much space, it's awkward, but if there's none, it's hard too. sometimes, you know what I mean?
1: How are you going to answer a question? This is always the way I think of it. How are you supposed to answer the question? If you don't know what's being asked. And I feel like at the same time, if I ask a question, I need to give somebody (laughs) chance to answer it and even if they don't know necessarily right off the rip what their response is going to be they they deserve the time to think about what they need to say and and i always think about reciprocating anything that i always wish i always try and reciprocate and you know i I don't think i've always been a great listener but being married with toddlers has changed that being in my (laughs) what i doing what i do for 10 years has changed that guiding for as long as I have has changed that. And also having a mother who, (laughs) um, courtesy was, was to be the most important thing to be upheld. (laughs) This woman would stand, we'd be walking into a store. I I was six or seven. I can remember vividly and she'd stop and wait for me to open the door and then explain to me why it was important to always (laughs) abide by these courtesy kind of, unwritten rules and I think those things carry with me today but you know I, I I truly do find what you do and what you the things you say fascinating so like that's why when I ask you questions it is out of genuine interest it is not because I'm I'm trying to deflect or, or defer my question or my, my response rather but you know like I think um it's it's super interesting to have genuine conversation when it reflects around fly fishing because I don't get this very often yeah and so I'm I'm almost if you think about it I'm I'm using you to, to offload yep. my fly fishing uh, chat here.
0: Good stuff. Um, finish this sentence for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what?
1: Is dadding a word? Can I make that a verb? Dadding is a word. <laughs> that, that's um, a word. I, uh, it, my wife is a rock star and a superstar because um, the only reason I'm able to fish as often as I do is because we make compromises. <laughs> <laughs> um and so like uh I, I take that back during my kids both still take a nap which is awesome um my daughter's going into pre-k so she's four my son's two and when they are napping uh, i do this is midday it's too hot to fish or it's too not quite long enough i'll go to the gym i like to go to the gym and i like to play guitar um but that's guitar like you said is kind of seasonal um it picks up a little bit more in the winter and in the summer i'll pick it up maybe like i'll pick my guitars up maybe like once a twice a month maybe um but I, I go to the gym probably four times a week i like to, i love listening to music mm. i'm the i'm the errand runner uh, when it comes to getting stuff done around it, i also have five mobile acres and i don't have a big enough tractor right now so wow. I, I mow smart. six hours a week um so what and, how many
0: uh, you do like uh, at the gym is it two on one off is it is it is it alternating days what does that look uh, like
1: Well, I used to be six days a week in the gym and I do active rest days and stuff, but with considering I have kids, um, right now that's kind of not possible. So I try and only go to the gym like three, four times a week. Like it's, it's, I'll do like an, like a, a push pull legs. Um, I'm, I'm on right now. I'll do sometimes upper, lower, uh, full body. I'll, it depends on the weeks, but I try and just hit every part of my body twice or three times a week. Um, and, uh, but no, it used to be fitness used to be a huge part of my life before my kids were born. And as soon as my daughter was born, I kind of just no excuses fell off the fell off the wagon. I was a, a college and uh, professional athlete overseas for a little bit. And um, doing what? I uh,
0: sorry, I, you uh, can't skip by that. Come on, Colton, you can't just skip by that.
1: Well, I, I I played soccer in college, and then I and then um, I played in a like a lower professional level uh in Spain, and then um, really, I uh, yeah, and um. I, uh, got hurt a little bit and, uh, also finished my degree, wanted a family. Um, it did, the lower levels don't pay for as well as they, is as I needed them to. Right. And, um, I, uh, moved here to where I currently live. I'm not originally from here. Um, and, uh, hmm. yeah. And then, so I, I just, I, I finished my degree and I started teaching about 10 years, 10 years ago. I started teaching. Um, I'm not old. I'm, I'm. I'm 30 i'm not like you know so it's it's
0: just
2: out of curiosity
0: what why why spain like you know if you're going to play professional soccer in any level um why why was it Spain? i
1: I love so uh, i i speak spanish and and i i lived there for a little while um and uh i just love it culturally um super fun super laid back my definitely my my lifestyle of choice
2: Hmm.
1: um but uh kind of i mean I, I spoke spanish at my 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 mother speaks spanish and so we spoke spanish at home um and it could have been the netherlands it could have been england it could have been anywhere really except for france um uh they didn't, the, the, the fact that i lived in spain the french didn't like that because well, I, I visited paris and i visited a couple different places in in, in france and right. um it uh they were not keen on the Spanish at the time, at the time things are different, but no, I, um, I, I don't know. It's, it, life's a a funny thing. You know, you have all these different opportunities and things that come about. My students ask all the time, like, why are you not still playing? Um, uh, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for that. Truthfully. Um, I love it around where I live now. I live in the middle of nowhere and it's, and it's, I'm in football country now. And, uh, I, there really aren't any leagues for me to play in. Like I could, I could go, I could drive two hours and play in some men's leagues, but I don't have time for that. And life is so funny in that, like, if it, if it weren't for me playing, I would never have met my wife. I met my wife overseas.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, she, she's from this area. She's from the United States, but, um, she was studying abroad. And so if it weren't for that, it weren't for taking a risk and coming back here and, and, giving it a go i would never have this awesome life that i that i love i'm super blessed to have yeah and you know people all the time you know even because i don't live near my family anymore um i'm not that far but I, I don't really live near them it's you never i mean you probably have things that you've done that seemed crazy at the time that ended up being really awesome or vice versa. you played it safe and wish you had done something else like life's crazy
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was gonna ask you best job you ever had so um is a is a big question you've got a lot of different careers well if you had to you know say this is the best gig i've had um what was it so
1: i have <laughs> done pretty much everything the only thing i haven't done is like uh line work in a manufacturing plant you name it i've done it um uh in many different industries like um i think nostalgically uh i was a <laughs> i was a maintenance worker at my college and it could just be that i was a college i was a college dude hanging out with buddies got to go to the gym and then eat eat chipotle afterwards
2: like it was um
1: <laughs> it could have been it could have been just the nostalgia of that it could have been i loved working i worked for, for a while in a high-end mexican restaurant in the city yeah. and i loved loved that because of the hours and the instant cash at the end of the night I got to go out to the Local eateries and/or drinkeries, and um, and get my my, my groove on if you would. Um, you sell? I would like, lo- I like
0: my kids. They they were living in New York, and uh, yeah, it's all about Chipotle for them. And we don't have it <laughs> where I'm at, so they're like,
1: No, no. but well, yeah. you have some. I mean, like I I have Tim Hortons. So like, whenever people talk about Tim Hortons, we talked about this last time. I'm like, yeah. you know, like people want to talk about different things that that are staple in their lives, and like there are people who talk about like. Uh, Wawas, or uh, yeah. talk about uh, uh, Whataburger, or like we don't have those either. We I didn't have a Chick Fil A until like five years ago. I've never had it. Again, like it, see, it's you know different different strokes for different folks. Depends on where you live, I guess.
0: But yeah, yeah the ones uh, are yeah. regional, right?
1: Exactly, but I mean, I guess my favorite job. I don't know. I I do love teaching. And it's really I wouldn't say it's my favorite job. Guiding, super fun, but I have to say I'm not sure if it's my favorite job. I, I I have a passion for it. I think I say that I say that in general, it's not my favorite. There are some of my favorite working days where I've had awesome clients that I've made lifelong friends. Those I would consider some of my my favorite job days. But um, I I just think. I don't know if I, if I, I guess if I could have a dream job, right. Cause that's kind of the same thing. My fa- if I could go back and relive my, you know, my favorite job is a dream job. I would say I, I'd love to, to, um, shoot cause I, I, shoot films, uh, fly fishing films. I would shoot film around the world all day, you know, like that, that well, would be a good go-to.
0: I could totally um, see you doing that. Well, you're, I mean, you're I, doing it just yeah, maybe not globally, yeah, I, right?
1: I, I mean, I, not globally yet. Um, I have some things in the works, um, but it all it'll all come down to I probably won't pursue the inevitable end goal of finalizing it until my kids are old enough to where I'm not missing out. Like, yeah. I, I don't want I don't want at all to ever look back and because I have, I have co-workers that I work with at the school right now that uh, will tell me when they're retiring. I had only one wish would be to have more time with my, to have not been out playing those gigs or not be out doing this, that, um, and, and see them grow up. And I'm, I'm trying to manage my time well yeah. by being home, being with them and uh, doing right by my family first. But that being said, I have a, hopefully fingers crossed, a long life ahead of me to be able to pursue multiple endeavors but i don't and this probably sounds super shill about like fly fishing like i, I oh, why is he trying to monetize fly fishing it's not that it's just that like i love it and it's part of my life and so i'd rather it be part of my life to where i can make a living you know in some way and set myself up for the future yeah. and have it, this trickling in of income to where that you know i'm not constantly only viewing it as like oh, i can't do this because I kind of have to justify my time, right? It's kind of like... Um, Look at it
0: this it, way. You you're, you like teaching. So you can teach through media. You can travel right. through media. You can guide through media. You can do all the things you're doing through media and, and travel yeah. at the same time. That sounds like a pretty good
1: gig. Yeah, but there are always going to be those naysayers that say like, well, you know, it's probably the same thing when people, you know, whenever you talked about, you know, um, the fly crate, stop stepping in to help... Um, you know, you do what you do and make it possible. People are like, Oh, you know, selling out. It's like, no, it's just, you kind of have to, you, you have to do it a little bit in order to make sure that it's possible, you know? Right. And there are only so many hours in a day. And if I'm going to, and if I'm going to, uh, you know, create content and take away that time from, cause if it weren't that, I'd have to go get a, a job serving tables or something. Nice. to make ends meet, you know, like as much as people want to think that teaching pays the bills, um, it doesn't do as well. It doesn't do it as well as some people would think. Um, and so, you know, it, it, uh, I would, I, kinda, about,
0: I would imagine, sorry, I would imagine it affords you time though, right? It affords you time in the summers when you're not in the classroom to chase those fish and guide.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the nice part. The, the thing that people forget about though is, and it sounds like I'm I'm complaining, that's never my intent. Um, but the thing people forget is that like it, I'm a 10 month employee, but we don't get paid for that time. So it's kind of like, you know, people want, you know, I, I, I got into teaching because I, I wanted that time. I'll never miss a thing for my kids. I'll, I'll always have summers to do things with them, to, to be there for them. And, and my wife's the same, she's a teacher as well. Um, but with that, I mean, I, I expected to always have a summer gig too, be, to in order to pay for bills over the summer. You know, right? Um, so I mean, like I'm, I've I, I have a master's degree and and multiple like, global certifications and language and in pedagogy and, um, you know, comparing comparing that to the other people who get master's degrees, <laughs> we're not paid that well. What's, but,
0: what's pedagogy? What, what is that
1: uh, uh the the method of of instructing your content um across different mediums and to different people basically okay. so methods and 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 um like i i've re- i've written a research thesis and i've done all these things in how to implement certain things in classrooms for certain kids basically okay um and uh long story short like it's um I knew going into teaching that it wasn't going to be something that made me a ton of money, but I'm affording myself the ability to be a good dad easier than somebody who would have to take time off or get out of work early to do so, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I bought into the lifestyle in order to make sure that like, you know, when my son or my daughter, my daughter's super interested in going on the, on the water with me, so – Like anytime I catch fish down at the pond, she wants to go check it out look at the colors and, Mm -hmm. and asks me all these questions. And it just, it's, it's super touching. It is the most incredible thing in the world. Um, but, and if I could do that with them and find a way for it to help pay the bills, then I don't see why that's a big deal going, coming full circle again, I guess, to, (laughs) to the monetization aspect of things. But it's, Mm. um, it's an odd, strange life, but it's a beautiful one. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, I, I,
0: I'm getting a kick out of chatting with you, man. I, I, I want to take it back to the water a little bit in that, um, what's your, I want you to paint a picture for us, um, your dream day, your perfect day on the water. What does that look like? Uh, are you fishing some small streams? Are you nymphing? Have you got a cup of coffee in your hand? Um, what species you chase and paint us a little picture about your perfect day. You wake up this morning what does that look like?
1: Um, I'll probably keep it realistic because there, there, are, I mean, I think the last time we did one was a steelheading day. And so I'm going to, I'm going to not do a steelheading day. You'll have to go watch that episode or listen to that episode instead. If you want to hear, uh, a comedic steelhead day.
0: Cross promotion. Um, I like, I like the cross promotion.
1: I'm just saying that, you know, like when in Rome, you're already on the streams. You might as well just like, you know, subscribe to this and, and, and listen through every single one of them for this quality <laughs> content you're getting. Um, but uh
0: checks in the I mail. guess for
1: me. <laughs> yeah, right. Um I guess so so I'll say like if I had a dream day tomorrow, um I don't I'm not able to get out for very long. So for my dream days, I, I like to get up um uh, probably about five or four thirty, five o'clock. My my I have a beautiful little freestone uh maybe fifteen minutes from me that is seldom fished, especially with a fly rod. And um The fish are typically like, you know, six inch to, I, we have caught 14 or 15 inch fish in there, but that's, it's, 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 the stream is no wider than 10 feet maybe. Um, and it's beautiful hiking through the gorge down, down into the, the ravine. And, um, I, I, there's just something about it. I I don't really, I don't know how to explain it. It's the colors are perfect. the, the the markings on all my fish are perfect. There's nothing that could beat it. And I'm not fighting crowds. I'm not fighting, um, wind. I'm not fighting anything. It is just a dry fly fisher's paradise. I can catch 30 fish a day with, with a nymph. I can fish a one weight and it's, and it's a, a load of fun. I carry, you can carry a tin of flies. You can carry a uh, bag of flies whatever you want to bring there's no possible way to take a bad picture it is just the the greatest uh, morning I can have and truthfully um, I'd probably just fish it for the morning because I get I'm as I'm getting older I'm not old but as I'm getting older I'm finding more pleasure in small acute um, adventures and I would love 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 to have that same day over and over and over again with my kids, and have them come with me and splash around, or, or to get get a feel for the for moving water. Um, It just that that seems sounds like to me like the perfect day, um, followed up by probably like sixteen or so pounds of sushi.
0: <laughs> what do you? <laughs> yeah, is there some sake, is there I some, love sushi. Is there sake involved? What's the drink at the end of the day?
1: the drink at the end of the day um so i would either have to go with i have three options and this is cheating i understand but i'm talking so um uh i would either go with i'm an irish whiskey or a young scotch fan um so something maybe like two fingers of that neat um it could be a i'm a jameson fan but I like a Tillamore Dew or something like along those lines. Um, or a gnarly, unfiltered, stanky, gnarly, uh, un, uh, uh, farmhouse soured ale, um, that tastes like a, like a mammoth fur. Sounds really good right now.
0: Mammoth fur.
1: Um, uh, that's that's how I kind of or like a, it smells you know, like wet
0: dog. We, we call that you know what we call that barnyard. It's like it's like uh, yeah. You want the 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 whole horse, you know? It's I, it's
2: just I, I'm all about rank. wild
1: ales and farm ales right now. Oh, the the, the, the wet the,
0: hay, yeah.
1: The wet hay smell, yeah. The yeah. Uh, the, the gnarlier the better. I or uh, it's hard to beat a super really good classic uh, West Coast IPA sometimes
0: yeah. in the summer. You know, I I I love IPAs. I just find I can't drink that many of them. I, they're you know I don't know what it is. Well, those... you
1: can. It's just depending on where you want to wake up.
0: That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave. I'm leaving that alone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you had anything weird happen to you in your time on the water since we spoke? Anything kinda like, you know, a wildlife encounter or, you know, this 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 person I was fishing with did this. You're not gonna believe it. Anything bizarre?
1: Um been pretty tame. Not gonna lie. Like I I mean I, I live in black bear country and a black bear walk across my pond, or by my pond rather. Um uh just nothing but good stuff like Eagles and um, we don't have moose. We don't have. I mean, I'm trying to think of the craziest thing. Like we've had a few accidents here and there. Like nothing, nothing serious. But there, I did get a picture. So the stream, I, I not the one I just talked about, but I do have a stream near me that's a that's a tributary that a buddy of mine sent me a picture. Um, he goes, well, next time you fish this stream, be beware the nudists. And I said, what are you talking about? And he sent me a picture of a guy's backside. Apparently they were hiking the, uh, hiking the stream, uh, colony of nudists. And, um, he goes, you were, you, you took the, the right day off, my friend.
0: So <laughs> I've had that happen to me on a river actually one time. Come around hey, love before. is love. Freedom, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, shoot. I lost my train of thought. That
1: wasn't right? me. I don't know. Did, what, what about you? Anything crazy or er, er, unusual?
0: Um, yeah. You know, catching the same fish twice or um, I had a, and I've told this on the podcast, just some crazy wildlife stories with loons and, you know, stealing your fish and then. Oh, yeah. And then surfacing and having an osprey diving the, the loon to steal the fish, and then all of a sudden, you know, you think you've got a whale on, but it turns out you're, you've got a... Yeah, that... it sounds,
1: like, it sounds like one of those old-school Chaplin movies. Yeah, like,
0: it's a bit of a... One yeah. thing
1: goes into the next that goes into the next. I did catch a dace yesterday, or two days ago.
0: A dace?
1: What, oh, yeah, a dace. Yeah, like a yeah, little... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, like a, like a chub. Yeah. Kind
1: of, yeah. How big was like that? it? Like, maybe two, two inches long. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big dace, but... No, other than that, um, oh, I did, uh, I did guide a oh, – well, I guess this is kind of funny. Um, I'm, I, I got – so I had a couple clientele uh, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago that um, contact me out of the blue. It was a referral. It's like, well, I, they're new clients. I don't really know. The, the lady was super nice that was talking to me. She goes, yeah, I'm just – I've been fishing around the world. Um, and, you know, I have a couple friends who I'm going to meet up with and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, okay, this sounds, you know, I'm like, well, the place I want to take you is beautiful, but it's kind of a hike. Are you guys okay with that? And they said, sure. And so I said, okay, they must be, you know, mid forties or so. they showed up, they were 70 plus years old, all three of them. And why, this the trip that I had planned was half a mile down the gorge, a few miles in, and then back up and out. And they were remarkable they definitely were not ready but they were remarkable in their sense of joy jubilation they were positive they caught some fish yeah and going back to what i said earlier too she despite fishing around the world was not an excellent fish uh, an, an excellent angler um you know uh but was uh it was a lot of fun we caught uh some smolt we caught some rainbows we caught a bunch of different stuff and it was um but they show up and i was and, I, and my jaw dropped i said <laughs> oh this was not the trip that i thought i was going to get i cared for for four hours i care i i arm and arm link carried these two older women and this the other gentleman had um was they didn't have the right footwear it was a mess right. but they had the, they had a blast that's they, awesome I love that. Nothing but positive things uh, to say. They tipped very well, and I've got them booked for steelhead this fall. <laughs> I,
0: I love stories like that. I'm, You know what I'm curious about, Colton, is how many people, when you talk to them, being a guide, oversell their fishing experience? Like, it's one thing to to say, yeah, I've fished, but it's another thing just to, to be competent at it and know what's going on. Like, of your clientele, and I don't want you to slam people here, but.
1: It's the majority. Really. I mean, the majority of people will say, like, yeah, you know, I've been at it for a little while. I, I like to hear how long they've done it. But even then, some people will say they've done it for 10 years, but it's once a year every year for 10 years, you
0: know? Right. Maybe um, like you say, yeah, I know I know how to play soccer, and yeah, I, I know a couple words in Spanish. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. And so it's it's that's that's totally the thing. Or, like, how many people, as a teacher... People come in and be like, kids come like, yeah, my my mom knows Spanish. I'm like, oh, that is super cool. And then like, you find out that she really doesn't. She just knows a couple of words, you know. Yeah. Um. But no. But that's that's, and and I I know how to read what people tell me now to, kind of decipher how experience they actually are and and typically too i i do a questionnaire and an oral interview before i take new clients on not like in a super formal Mm. way just to just to get to know people what's a go-to what's a
0: go-to question you would ask that like there's a dead giveaway huh
1: um i always ask is the trip that you want to book to catch fish is it to learn something new is it to get out and experience fish, like the the, the new systems? What, 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 what do you want to get out of this? And typically, if they're brand new, they tell me they want to learn something. Um, and that's the, usually the answer I like to hear most. The, the guys that say that they want to see the new system, I'll then follow up th- with questions like, um, okay, uh Like, do you want to bring your own gear? And if so, what does you want to use? Or like, because I've had guys who go on steelhead trips that that bring a like a grandfather's rod that want to catch something in like memory of the grandfather or something on this rod. I'm like, let's do it. That sounds awesome. Let's rock this seven and a half foot glass rod. Love it. You know,
0: that's cool. Like,
1: and 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 you know, let's let's do it. And, And but I think usually they'll give me answers with gear that doesn't make sense unless they justify it, like, like with the grandfather's gear, you know, like they'll say something like they'll, they'll, or they'll, they'll answer with like either very generic answers or the, the gear that they're talking about doesn't make sense. Like I said, and, and or that it's usually like, it's kind of like talking to a mechanic and not really knowing the ins and outs of the, of, of the vehicle. You kind of just generalizing or right. making stuff up. It's it's really hard to define or put into words. Yeah, I know
0: what you uh, mean. I, I find that too in, in, in some and sometimes people it's a vibe. To, people try to prove their knowledge and as soon as they try to prove it, I'm like usually like, Okay, here we go. But
1: Well, that's the thing is is you know, you, you could be you could fish three hundred days a year in the same system and you'll still find something you know, something that you know should work, won't work. Don't don't try and tell me that you you know you've done this that or the other. It's like that has nothing to do with this trip. Like you say, they're trying to prove their, their worth or to prove their knowledge or prove their experience. Like, you know, cool. You've you've been and you've you've fished the flats of of Belize. But that doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to do tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that, and I do, I do think that fly fishing has changed a lot because I think that was the way it used to be. You just check stuff off a list. Okay, I've fished for bonefish. I've done this. I've done that. But you know, when you're dealing with a client that has that lives it, that knows how to fly fish, gets the entomology somewhat, or ties. I mean, that you don't even. It's an easy. It's probably an easy read for you, I would imagine.
1: It's you can tell who's the fishy dude or do that, you know, pretty well, pretty easily, pretty pretty quickly, um, and it's sometimes it comes down to just body posture and and the way they interact. Like you know, sometimes you should be jazzed when you when you're getting on the water, like you know, excited. There should be an excitement. There should be, you know, I, I love one of the things I love 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 about new anglers typically is they'll ask a thousand questions, and I would rather be asked a thousand questions than have dead silence and have to fill the air with respo- with, with information. Right.
2: Yeah. Like
0: then you sound like I, a I, tour I love, guide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, well, to I mean, I, I would
1: rather have, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, you know, if I, if I have somebody who's not going to ask questions, I'm sitting there talking about like, well, this is why we do this. And, and it almost sounds like I'm justifying what I'm doing. Whereas like, I would rather you ask me a thousand questions and it was random as they might be. That, that I could talk and, and segue into and talk about technique through this means or, like, you know, give me hypotheticals. What if this happens? Okay, well, and, and I do have my pregame rah-rah speech, you know, when it comes to certain places we fish and, like, this is our exit strategy in case this happens or whatever. But I like the spontaneity. Like, otherwise, you're just doing the same thing over and over again despite being different fish, despite being different systems, different weather. It's kind of like... You know, because I'm not—I'll never fish. If I have clients, I never fish. I feel so guilty when they—they they ask me to show them technically how to do something. Because hands down, I, I ask them like we, we try and find a different spot to do that because I—it's happened before where I'll—I'll I'll showcase the technique and we hook a fish and I have to and I'm trying to pass it off. And good people, you know, an angler knows like no, that's not my fish. I have to land the first fish of the day. No, thank you. Like that's not what I like. So I never fish. I just re rig. I give positive vibes. I carry the snacks. I, um, tr- mm. you know, instruct and and I'll let them do a few things to see if they can feel. Ask them questions. We talk about their lives. I get to know them. But um, it's most people try and oversell their 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 ability. But I definitely uh, when it comes to the uh, the questionnaire, it's more so not even like a questionnaire. It's like I like to have a conversation.
0: How much? How much of your client clientele? is repeat business. Cause I would imagine a lot of these people do become like, like f- friends, like fishing buddies.
1: And that's the, t- that's one of the tougher things to do a year is like, I have so many repeat customers. The problem is, is I try at what point do you, does a repeat customer just become a buddy? And at what point, like I try not to, to charge people, but I still have buddies who will book days with me. And I'll find like, I'll, I do sometimes I have like an, uh, uh, an automated System, but also a referral system, and I'll see my my, my buddies will go through and they use the automated system and use different names. They'll show up on the day, prepaid, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, I would never charge you to fish, like, <laughs> like." And they're like, "No, no, no. This is your livelihood. We understand. We understand." But like at the same time, like when I whenever I'm I have a paying client, I I I carry multiple rods pre-rigged and re-rigged, and I'm ch- constantly tying. I, I tie you know 300 knots a half day, and you know, constantly swapping, constantly re retying things and re-rigging and changing weight and stuff like that. And so like, that's, that's what I consider the job. They show up with their own gear and they're like, no, you're fishing today. And I'm like, no, that's not how I operate. It's nice. It's kind. It's very sweet, but, right. um, yeah, you know, but I try, I, I always think that if I do my job the right way, people won't come back to me. <laughs>
0: I've never, I've never heard a guide say that, but I, I get where you're going with it. It's like, you know, you get them competent and, and yeah, reading the water and, 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 and fishy and then, and then let them go.
1: But I also think that if like, you know, piggybacking off of what I said, yes, yes, I do mean that when I say it, but at the same time. Being as good as you can be. Like, if I also do an excellent job, they can see the potential in learning new techniques. They can see the potential in really getting fishy. Like, it's one thing to know the spot, the hole, the run, and being able to do the one thing you practiced when you went with that guide. It's another thing to inherently show up to a, a new stream and dissect water with a variety of different methods and knowing in your gut that what you're doing should catch fish right that's what the end goal is for me with most of these people and that doesn't take one trip right yeah. and hopefully by in the way when I say that if I do my, my job right they shouldn't come back this is after f- trip five right <laughs> it's like they've they've come they've, they've done their 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 due diligence and they've learned a ton of stuff they're a pretty competent angler by the fifth time they've they've fished the system with me
2: right.
1: and they um, that's at the same time after spending 5 full days with these people on the water you're pretty close so as a friend they shouldn't be coming back to me they should be fishing with me
0: we've got friend of the program Colton Orbaker on the line out of Asheville New York twig and timber outdoors he's a guide teacher media creator look him up on youtube on instagram what's going on colton with twig and timber outdoors these days
1: So I have, rather than being like, just like kind of YouTube channel, I feel like that's a stigma that people fall into whenever, uh, they hear video creation. My, my content is never like the strap of GoPro on, and this is not knocking anybody that does this and, and, you know, giving me a nauseous headache. I try and shoot as much as I possibly can with a crew cinematically, um, in a way that showcases the system, the 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 obsession, the sport, and the um and the craft as beautifully as I can. In a way that's approachable. Um, think of it as my attempt at fly fishing film tour uh, videos on a regular basis. And I feel after the reception has been great. I do intermittently, you know, sprinkle in other instructional stuff. Like, I, I still do just as much instruction. I do some products here and there, but for the most part, um, it is getting out and showing the, the showcasing the beauty that we have in the sport. And um, through that, I've been connecting with different people and different things, and I've started my own apparel line um, that is called Fly Life Lifestyle Apparel. Um, it has its own social media links and stuff, but we don't have to get into that. I don't want this to be a push for that. Um, necessarily, um, but uh, throw
0: it out there, man. Come on. I, I,
1: I, I... I mean, it's. It, the, the, I look at so many different um, apparel products for fly fishing, and it's like you kind of have to know the brands in order to understand what's going on. Whereas, like, very seldomly do you see, you know, graphic design done that's like, I love this. I just want to show that it's this, and not necessarily brand affiliated. And so, like, a lot of the stuff that I that I have designed. Um, I do 99% of the design myself. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's focused on just showcasing the, the, the love of the sport for anybody. And, um, and, and, and 10% of the, the proceeds do go to conservation efforts. Um,
0: where's the best. Place so my to to find find market through- is it com? is it Instagram. Like what's um, the best so place right
1: now? Yeah. Right now, if you, if you search, uh, on Instagram, it's at fly life lifestyle apparel, um, on Facebook, it's the same thing. Um, and, um, we have a couple different stores, but the, the one we are using right now is, uh, is a Teespring store. Um, and so I, I take 10% of the the proceeds and they go to youth angling conservation efforts. And, um, uh, I'm working on one other one right now that is, um, more general, but for the most part, um, it's youth, uh, conservation and, and angling efforts, uh, Locally for for here, but also um, a couple national organizations, and um, in addition, and so my, my my margins aren't great, but it's more so about trying to give everybody the ability to do something cool and showcase what they like to do because um, everybody can go and buy a thirty dollar t shirt that has X Y Z company on it, but um, knowing that the funds the proceeds go towards something important. And also having it be a little more tailored to your specific love of the, the sport, I think is kind of cool. And also there's like all kinds of other products and stuff on there too. But, hmm. um, focusing on that a lot, Been doing a lot of filming, um, I've been trying to, I, I do shoot a lot of commercials, um, for industry companies and stuff. I've been working with certain companies on, de- um, developing rods and stuff, but lots to come in the future, but. Like I said, until my kids are, I can devote more time to my other parts of the career. I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm living on borrowed time when it comes to certain things. But I, I, I'm i getting around doing my, my stuff, filming a lot of cool stuff. Um, Facebook is actually where a lot of my videos go big, get huge right now. For some reason, algorithmically, it's it's favorable towards me there. And that's also Twig and Timber Outdoors on Facebook, too.
0: And what about on, on YouTube? same thing
1: youtube is swinging timber fishing and outdoors
2: perfect
0: all right well um hey man i i really appreciate you taking the time tonight and i know you're a few hours ahead of me so it's probably getting late you hitting the stream tomorrow
1: tomorrow actually my my brother had a baby so i'm gonna go see said baby nice yeah good he's a uh, he's gonna be a good dad so i'm excited tomorrow we're gonna heading out early we're gonna go see the baby And, uh, then, um, probably the next day I'm going to be on the water.
0: (laughs) I love it, man. Well, I I love the passion you bring to the water and always such a pleasure talking with you. It amazes me. I I learned a lot about you today that I never knew. I'm still stuck on this trout pond. I feel like I'm sitting on it right now, but, um, that's. Well, you could
1: be, you could be (laughs) once the border clears up, buddy.
0: Yeah, I hope so, man. Hopefully, we can IPAs hook up and, and rainbows. Uh, there you go. Some of those uh, barnyardy, wet hay. What do you call them? Uh, what was your term for those? IPs? Stank, stank, <laughs> stanky. <IPAs>. Wild ales. <laughs> All right, buds. Thanks for doing this, Colton. I appreciate it.
1: You betcha. We appreciate it.
0: We've been chatting today with Colton Orbaker. Colton's out of Asheville, New York. Um, check him out. He's a guide, teacher, media creator. And he's got at Fly Life
2: Lifestyle Apparel. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.